Welcome to episode 221 of I Am Talk, weekly fix in all things Iron Man. Alright guys, welcome along to episode 221 of I Am Talk with Coach John Newsom and Bevan James Iles. How you going, mate? I'm good. I'm a little tired and sometimes a little confused. <laughs> That's the story of life, isn't it? It is. There's a song in that, mate. Oh, there we go. We can get together. We've got to, I tell you what, listen up for the website of the week later on and oh, we can, we can put that idea to somebody. It's gold. So why are you so tired and confused? Well, we've, we've taken a hammer. Well, my kids are just home. We've taken a bit of a hammering from the kids the last three days. Uh, pr- pretty pretty weak on the sleep front. And then this morning, um, as metrosexual as I think our relationship is, Bevan, I was a little confused when I received a text message from a Bevan Isles that said, I'm just opening it up now. Good luck, babe. Good luck, babe. Love ya. And I'm like, hmm. Okay, oh, taking it to a new, taking it to the next level, Ben. I, I need to copy and paste that and send it to Joe because the problem is, it's her first day on a new job, and so uh-huh. I send that to you. Oh, that's not good, John. That's not, that's good. not good. I do love no. you, but not not like how I love Joe. I love okay. you, manly kind of. You know, you're my mate. That's right. Great. I am talking proudly brought to you by coffeesofhawaii.com. Oh, just get on the coffee now, John. Get on it. You don't want coffee in Taipei. I tell you that much. Good. Athlinks.com. Social networking for for athletes and keeping you tracking your results and all that good stuff. Triathlontoons.com. Get on there, get your own avatar of yourself as a cartoon, and then you too can be cool. And, and extreme endurance for extreme endurance.com. Endurance, get on there and get the latest gear to make you faster, basically. I'm just trying to send this text to Joan. <laughs> <laughs> Multitasking. <laughs> On this week's show, we have news. Yeah, you can do that part of my job. Here we webs- go. Website of the week. Yeah. Uh, if we've got time, we're going to have age group of the week. And last week, I interviewed Heather Fewer, all by my lonesome. Managed to actually set it up on a PC. We normally hey, John, use Bevan's. So John, I, I haven't actually listened to the whole interview, but I've uh, okay. listened to the first five minutes. I'm just hoping you've turned off your phone today. I have turned off my phone today. <laughs> I haven't actually. I haven't. <laughs> you tell you're embarrassed as it went off. It's off now, and it's on talk, so somebody, if they ring through, it's engaged. Yes, that was uh, slightly embarrassing, but anyway. <laughs> well, when you guys listen to it later on, it's quite funny, because you can tell he obviously, the phone's still ringing, but he's obviously covered it up. <laughs> I basically opened the door and hurled it down the hallway. <laughs> <laughs> you can just hear it off in the background somewhere, and you're trying to be serious. Oh, it, was, it was quality, mate, I tell you, your class. Good. Good. Yeah. It was okay, class. then let's get into it. So, news is proudly brought to you by xtry.com. Check out xtry for less news reviews and interviews with the stars of, of our world. First of all, well, you haven't gone for the Ironman, you've gone for ITU, long course update, or world champs. How did you well, John? What happened? It happened less than, less than 24 hours ago. So, you know, it is the world long distance champs, and it's it's pretty close to iron distance. Um, I think it was, I can't remember if it was three or four K swim. Uh, I think it's four K looking by the, 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 judging by those times. And then they had a 120 K bike and a 30 K run. Um, and, uh, you know, 
some some good athletes there. Um, reasonably small field and, and compact at the at the the sharp end of the field. But Caroline Stephan took a, took out the women's race, and she's been having a great season with some awesome seventy point threes. And uh, and I th- did she win an Ironman somewhere? I can't remember. And her name's been popping up really regularly, and, and, and a great athlete, and, and had a good all round day. Just um, swam great. Swam fifty four oh one for the swim. Rode three forty eight, which uh, basically gave her a, a, a big buffer, and that's seven minutes faster than Virginia Barisategi and Yvonne Van Vlerken and then put in a, a good steady run of a, a 209.45 for a total time of um, 6 hours, 55 minutes, 21 seconds. So world champion. World champion Yvonne Van Vlerken came in in second in a 707 and then it's your same for how does that resist? Barisategi, so she was third in Kona. So, you know, look at those those uh, that top three there. You've got Yvonne who finished yeah. uh, second or third in Kona. The year before, Virginia Brissetegi was last last year uh, was third last year, and Yvonne came home with a really strong run. She ran a two oh seven, but you know she gave up six minutes in the swim, and then gave up another seven on the bike. So even though she did run two minutes quicker, it was never going to be enough. But um, yeah, but she did manage to run past and away from Virginia Brissetegi, so it's a good result. Um, once you start getting outside those top three, then it did, there was a big gap. You know, there was a half hour gap back to to third place. But those top three, they're all world class athletes. Oh, definitely. And it's interesting that in the women's side of this race, you definitely had, you know, a few of the real guns, whereas on the men's side, there's some solid athletes, but you didn't really get that top, top level athlete there, did you? Well, you don't get the you don't really get the big names that you see the big Kona names really, yeah. but the, some good athletes. I mean, Timothy O'Donnell, he uh, I think he won last year, and he's had some great results at seventy point three. You know, he's gone really close to Crowley a couple of times. So, for for a half Ironman athlete, he's fantastic, um, and he finished in second place. But Sylvain Saldry from France took it out um, with a with a fantastic bike ride. So he swam forty eight, rode three thirty five, which was uh, quite. There was a couple of guys that rode quicker than him. But um, I think the fastest time I can see there is about a 3:34, um, and then put in a steady run for a 1:56, and, and won by you know close on five minutes. So excellent result. Timothy O'Donnell was second, and Francois Chabot, who's who's quite regularly in the top five at, at, at the ITU distance, but doesn't quite often put it together at, at an Ironman. Um, he was in third, so some good athletes there. Probably a, an awesome run there by Victor Zemensev, who's won Ironman race. He ran a 1.53. Wow. So that's, you know, that's like um, on par for a sub to, to our 40 marathon if it had been the full distance. So pretty awesome result. And um, yeah, some, some good names there. Konstantin Bashor from Germany. He's won some half Ironman races. Uh, good athletes. So yeah, I mean, you compare that field to Kona, it's not as strong, but there's still some really good athletes there. Mm, good times. Okay, then we also had the new Ironman race in Regensburg in Germany, and uh, good old Ferris took it out. So he would have looked a bit, I don't know, the, the other guys there are good, um, but if he hadn't won, you would have been sort of scratching your head and wondering why the hell not. So well, good to see you know, it back. I did read um, the, the race report, and it was interesting, the guy who came in second, Andreas, how do you say that last name, Brutcher? Brochure, yeah, yeah, I think. Um, he, he was pretty close to beating him. He, he blew in the last ten, and it sounds like he pushed himself pretty hard and made you know the, the Ironman mistake. But you know, Ferris by no means dominated the race. No, but I mean, pretty fast times. I mean, eight thirteen and eight eighteen, so not not bad. Yep. But yeah, a lot a lot of those guys in the field um, are names we're not familiar with. I have seen that Andreas um, Boucheret or whatever however you pronounce his name pop up once or twice. But yeah, you're right. He, he pushed it hard. It looks like he had probably. A, you know, about a three-minute about a three minute lead coming off the bike, and um, didn't really mark. So, yeah, it was, yeah, it was... Mm. 
boom, and then he lost five minutes. Yep. So, so, so then, uh, so splits there were 45 minutes swim for this is Ferris Al Sultan, 4:27 on the bike. This pretty fast bike course and 2:56 run um, for a total of 8:13. Andreas Boucheret was second, and Niels Gurk was third. Um, and really, the the names outside of that, I'm, I'm not particularly familiar with. And then well, on the girls' side, racing in the top ten. If you look in between, basically third through to you know. 10th, you've got a That's true. gap, so it's a nice close yep. race. 8.49 for 10th place. Yeah. Is not a lot of races that would get that sort of result. And I don't know about your interest there, Bevan, but mine's uh, running pretty slow on the female side of things, but it's just coming up now. Tash, and that was Tash, you will have you say that. She came in 9.09. She dominated Dojo, really, by like time. 20 minutes, 22 minutes. So That's a it. solid day. Yeah. Killed it. 56 swim. Under five hours, 4.59 on the bike and a 3.09 run. That's a solid run when you compare that to the, the guys' times. You know, Ferris only ran, what, 2.56. Yeah. So that's, that's pretty solid. Um, 9.09. Then uh, Katia Arabi was second in 9.32. And Corrine Abraham was third in 9.41. Seems like a pretty successful race first time out. So it was a sellout. So, I mean, uh, yeah, the, good the, on the them. The Germans, they love it, don't they? The Germans just lap it up. So. And there was an, another iron distance race on uh, the same day that we'll discuss uh, a little later on. And then they've had Roche in Germany. So there's just so many iron distance races on there, and they all get you know pretty sizable fields. Yeah, that's great. Okay, well, Roadsy, well, IM UK happened. Uh, we had the Ironman UK, and Roadsy sent through a bit of a. Uh, or no, 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 Nick Rose <laughs> sent through a bit Rosie. of a. Rosie. Yeah. No, didn't we call him? Is it Nosy, nosy Rosie? Yeah, exactly. Or well, was he, it the ad? didn't mention that in the email. But he's basically saying yeah. a few things about the race. First of all, the course had changed a little bit, and this one was in a new location. So, uh, and also apparently about 400 meters short, so significantly short in the swim. Um, and the bike had a new 10 mile start, but they basically used the same three lap course, but the bike had a bit of a different start as well. So, yeah, I mean that's was... terrible, isn't it? When I looked at these splits, I just went, that's just ridiculous um, because the guys are coming out in 43 minutes. Sure, they're, they're, they're good swimmers, and I'm not saying they're not, um, but they're not 43-minute swimmers, those guys. Uh, so definitely short. You know, I don't expect Stephen Bayless to, you know, come out maybe 40. short. Like, come on, like... I don't know. 400, I, I, yeah, I'd say 400 would be pushing it, but like, I'd say that is, the course is probably three to maybe maximum four minutes short. I'd expect Stephen Bayless to come out around about sort of 47-ish. Um, but yeah, who knows? When, when we weren't there, we, we can't, can't see the course, but it's it's pretty bad. If, if, you, if you start doing river courses and open and, and sea courses, then it's a bit different because you've always got tides and currents and things like that to sort of muck things up. But if it's a lake swim, you should be able to get it pretty close. Um, and the other comment I'd have with this race is uh, by the by the look of these splits, and that's where I'm going off, uh, the run looks to be short as well. I mean, all due respect again to these guys. Um, at most races, you know, you don't see many guys that many guys going under um, you know 250 at races unless they're the really world class guys you know guys like Cameron Brown people like that whereas here we've got um, a, a two, in the top 10 you've got a 249 or two 249s a 252 a 243 a 248 a 252 and um, the Tobinator you know, did you see that's right? the Tobinator ran 252 
Toby's great runner and that, but I'd love to hear some 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 stats. Are you doubting Toby Nader, mate? Are you doubting it? I'm not doubting. I'm doubting all all the all the guys. Here. I'm just saying it looks to be a little on the short side, but um. I'm, I'm happy to be proved wrong, yeah. but I would say that it's probably balanced up. You know, in terms of the total times, the bike there is very, very difficult. There's a lot of climbing, and it's a lot of undulating. So, you know, when you look at the finish times... You can't, you can't balance it up by making it short. Well, that, no, you, I'm not saying you can. I'm saying that the finish times, if you were to sort of compare it to a different type of course, you know, Fraser Carmel, 840, if he went and did a course like Ironman New Zealand, he's probably going to go, say, 825. So I'm not, I'm not saying it's an excuse. I'm just saying in terms of total times, looking at a perspective, it's, uh, it's a tough day out there on the bike. So uh, so what actually happened in the race? So for Cartmel, wait a second, let me go back to good old Root Nose's email. Cartmel, they, they came out of the swim um, pretty much together. The top three, Cartmel, Bayless, and Axel Zebrick, who was my ITU pick from, from last week. Um, and Fraser Cartmel sort of rode away from those guys, put seven minutes into them. So he swam 43, rode 502, and then ran 2.49 for an 8.40. So finish time was pretty slow, but we know the bike was... Uh, was uh, was was pretty hard, but then that was balanced up a bit by the short swim and, and I think short run. So and apparently Stephen Bayless and Axel Zebrook um, were going head to head um, for the first 18 miles of the run. Old Rosie reported in, and then uh, Zebrook just faded a bit there, but at the end, and he finished in third and an 8:49. That's a couple of first Ironman win. I'm pretty sure it is. I'm pretty sure it's his he's first Ironman. He's been following oh, him over the last 20. couple of years. He's been pretty successful on that front, but for Ironman, I'm just not sure if he's won one. I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure it's his first one. I'm almost positive it's his first win, um, and I'm pretty sure it's his first first uh, first Ironman full stop. So, some um, yeah. But if the course is accurate, there's some sensational runs there. I mean, the guy that got fourth, um, well, Gregor, the the so as well makes you wonder as well because you know when it's a hard bike course, it does tie those legs out a little bit more for you run. So. Mm. Yeah. So there's a 243 there from Gregory Morales, which is just sensational. Um, and like it's, I said, the age group is an age group ran like faster than that, or not faster than 243, but an age group did it 248. Yeah. Yeah. So, um, and the, the as you said, you know, sixth place was an age group, eighth, ninth um, was an age group. And I think we're going to see this a lot more as we see um, these. Pro, well, the, the, as the pros pro, are sort of getting forced towards doing the, the sort of what the, the major races and the higher point scoring races and the higher prize money races, I think you'll see some some events like Ironman Australia, um, which has got a, as you'll hear when I talk to Heather about it, has got a low low prize money um, and relatively low points. You're going to see sort of those events turning into more development events for the sort of second, third tier athletes. So they'll be able to, to do these races. I'm but fascinated. I think you'll start to see a more age group age groups in the top 10. Sorry, but I'm fascinated that Ironman Australia is one of those events. You know what I mean? Like you, you, you can kind of look at maybe the, the Malaysia's, of, although it's no longer around, but the, the some of the smaller development races, you know, China that's building and all these ones that are building that, you know, you're not going to have your big races. But Australia, that's such a big, like it's a huge race on the calendar. It is, and um, if you look at the, the you know the schedule there, it's $25,000 prize money, so they're going to get you know, very, very few Pro athletes, um, but but I, here I, I, I hear has to say, I think the whole model is, is is not a bad one because I think that will create these events for the second, third tier, third tier pro athletes to yep. go to and actually pick up a little bit of money, um, and the top pro guys will go head to head in the big money. So I, I actually think it's it's not a bad thing. But I but I agree with you for Ironman Australia not to have a, their their main Ironman not to be a marquee event. 
is either part of the planning. Maybe there's going to be a new race over there that's going to be like the Oceania or Asia Pacific Champ- Ironman Championships. Maybe they're building towards that, but it does seem pretty strange. Yeah, it does. Um, and then, well, I think we jinxed her. Jinxed her. Last week we were talking about Bella Bar. Oh, yeah. <laughs> we did the commentary, you know, because we basically we talked her up big time, and unfortunately she came in at second. Well, she she should have won. I mean, you know, look at she had a big lead coming off the bike. Advantage um, running and coming off the bike, and she's a good runner, you know. Um, so she she lost the race by by five minutes, but she ran a three twenty two, and she's a girl that can run um, pretty much three hours flat. And especially when we're looking at those times, and as I said, they do look to be pretty quick. Um, you know, you expect her to run three close to three hours flat and if she'd, uh, she'd run anywhere close to that she would have won so she ended up getting uh, getting beaten which is a surprise and the last so you had miles as well right towards the end which would have broken her heart oh definitely so um, Yvette, Yvette Grice good on her for taking the opportunity she swam 50 rode 603 and ran 302 so fantastic run split for a 10.01 and as we said Bella just faded there on the run big time and ran a 320 3 hour 22 for a 10.06 and then Epic Camper Go Carrot, who could basically not walk through. Did you say through, Go Carrot? Uh, I think you did. Uh, I don't know what I said, Bevan. <laughs> uh, okay. Joe, Joe Carrot got third place. Great result for her, 10 16. Yeah, um, and, and earlier this year, as I said, on Epic Camp, she, she couldn't run. She could only just walk. She could ride okay. Um, so she's obviously managed to get over her injury worries and, uh, and put on a good, respectable race there. Okay, next up in the news, let me pull down my little kind of page here, John. What do we have? Vineman? Um, Ryan Man, I've got the results here. I'll flick through those uh, pretty quickly. We had Max Beesman take that out in 9.29 from Keish Doy in 9.33. And then your mate David Glover there was in 9.40 in third place. And then he's won it in the past, so... He has, and I think he's been been a sub-nine boy before, hasn't he, as well? I think he's gone at 8.50, so... Maybe maybe it's just a little bit. Uh, maybe it's like eight uh, high eight fifty one or an eight fifty two. I think. <laughs> <laughs> and then on eight eight fifty one low. Uh, and then on the girls side of things, uh, Deborah Batizlea was uh, first in eleven oh eight. Darcy Bushnell was second in eleven ten, and Jody Hayes was third in eleven twenty. So only twelve minutes there covering the top three girls, which is uh, good to see. Okay, what else have we got? So uh, that's pretty much it. Coming up this weekend, what have we got happening? Uh, coming up this weekend, well, there were a few other races on last oh, weekend. We had the Kalmar Cal- race, but they haven't got results of that. The Extreme Milana in uh, Poland. But also the Ostelman in Germany. I'll quickly rattle through those. We had Christian... Natashki take that out in 8.27 from Joseph Spindler in 8.31 and Horst Wittnerhaus in third in 8.37. So that was another Ironman race over in, in, in Germany. And then on the girls' side of things, uh, Dordi Siebeck took it out in 11.10. I'm sure all these people, in, in 10 hours 10, I'm sure all these people listen to the show, Bevan, so it's important that we do these results. I, I, I don't doubt that at all, John. Yeah, and one thing that I did note in this race, uh, they obviously have a team section to the race, um, and the first team in seven hours forty four minutes. Not bad. What do you think? What do you think? The, if you got the best athlete like a Phelps, you know, I know we, I know we talked about bringing to the sport, but if you actually did the team, what time would they do? Well, you have to say that the the marathon runner is going to run. Yeah, you know, if you go, two, even if they're two ten, two ten ish, somewhere between two oh five and two ten. Yeah, the biker, so it'd probably be closer to two ten, wouldn't it? 
Yeah, well, it just depends. A bit ballpark there. And yeah. so the biker, you have to stay on a course that's flat and fast. I'd have to go, um, I'd say, four hours probably. Um, you know, you think about guys in triathlon run it riding four, you know, what, what are they riding, right? 4.14 or something. So you'd have to think they'd be able to go about four hours flat, if not potentially a little bit quicker. Yeah. And swimmers, a world-class swimmer um, <clears throat> in a wetsuit race would probably swim 40 minutes, I guess. Excuse me, I'm losing my voice. <clears throat> looking for a combined time of 6 hours 50. Yeah, I would say so. sub 7 would be uh, on the cards on a fast course. That would be pretty cool, wouldn't nice. it? Nice. That would be cool to see. And they, they did try to do that at the, um, yeah. the Silverman. Obviously, it's not a fast course, the but they had that up. big prize up. Yeah. The marathon blew up. That was funny stuff. Um, and there was also last weekend, they had the Nokia 226 in Finland. Uh, coming up this weekend, you've got the Slovak man in Slovakia. You've got the good old Norse man, which we've talked about lots of times, that extreme, probably the hardest um, race you'll find in terms of an iron distance race in the world where you climb up a flipping mountain and finish at the top of a mountain and as well as going over three passes on the bike. Um, it's a very, very challenging day. And then uh, if you're ever looking for a slightly different race, um, the Challenged Athletes Foundation put on Hawaii Revisited. It is obviously a fundraiser for them and it's probably a pretty low-key thing in terms of actually going over there and, and peaking and having a fantastic race. But if you want to go and do the original Hawaii course, then uh, that's your opportunity and, and supporting a great great cause in the Challenged Athletes Foundation. And yeah, we'll try it on as well, and that's one of the Hooters Guild. So, if you want to watch a Hooters that, Guild, get onto it. And I was having a look at their website this morning, and it looks like it's um, a really well done um, event. Well, pre-organisation looks fantastic, and it's the guys that that they organise a number of races in the states, one step beyond. But you go onto their website, and it's just it's just good stuff. It's got a training program on there. They've had training camps. Um, they've also got uh, like a spectators guide where you can you know, hand out for spectators um, and they've got a bus ser- free bus service so it really looks like they're doing a good job it's a new race um, and so we're we'll really keen to hear from you guys on uh, on what it's like because uh, you know they look on the website on paper to have done a really good job good times okay so what else we've got happening I, John's iTunes update so what's happening here? They've, got, they've introduced new bio bio biological yeah, so this is something that's been mooted quite a bit in, in cycling in, in the cycling world and in other sports, um, and it's great that ITU have, have taken, the, taken the bull by the horns and they're going to roll with this. So essentially it means, you know, a bit like you got your passport for, for travelling, you're going to have a biological passport, and it's going to mean that it's going to be, a, a, in theory, a lot more difficult to, to, to dope and to change the makeup of your, you know, your internal biology. So it, it, they'll have tracking from, I don't know how they'll, where, at what level they'll start this at, whether you've got to be on the World Championship Series, but obviously if they take your bloods when you do your first World Championship race and then five years later they, they test you again and it's, if it's completely different, obviously something's going on there. So I think it's a really good move. for the science behind it? Like, do they, how often do they actually test? Like, got n- got no idea and I don't know what their testing pool is going to be like because you know if you looked at the pool of athletes that do um, world championship series races is probably ballparks are 150 guys most races have um, you know about 60 to 70 guys it may even be up to say 200 250 guys surely they're, they're not going to be testing all those guys so I'm not quite sure what they'll do um, whether they take a you know a, um, a baseline marker whenever you do your first race and then they maybe just focus on testing the top guys but then if they do test you further down the track at least they've got a baseline to work from so I don't know the science, ins, ins and outs of the science and maybe we should look to get somebody on to explain that Nice. Go it's a good step. And a good World Cup's heading to Hungary this weekend. Is it this weekend or? 
this weekend, but just explain the, the ITU series for guys because I know you guys love it because I do, and it's just awesome. Oh, you've, got the world champ- you've got the World Championship Series, which is the pinnacle sort of races around the world, and the next tier down is the World Cup level. So we've got a World Cup race heading to Hungary, to Zavarius. Okay. So will it get much of a field? They get, it's, they get a good, strong field, but they don't get the big hitters there. So you get, it's a bit like what, as I was discussing with uh, with these, you know, WTC. these second and third tier WTC races. But they're, they're really strong fields. Um, so you get all the guys that are trying to gather up points, and there's, there's pretty good money. I think it's fifty thousand US prize money. Um, so it's pretty good. And uh, yeah, the athletes that are sort of the, the next generation coming through. We've got an email through from our Dave. Whoa, how do you say that last name? Ver, go John. Vichurin. 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 He's basically saying he went and watched the Antwerp 70.3 and just thought it was a bloody awesome race. Uh, the story of Bjorn Anderson's career really is that he got off the bike and, and Dave really thought he couldn't really lose it and uh, he had seven minutes up, but unfortunately he just couldn't hold it in the run, um, which was so he, poor guy. Seven minutes up and then he was fifth with six minutes 30 down, so he lost uh, 13 and a half minutes on the run. He ran about 123, didn't he? Yeah, yeah, but um, it was a good, good win there by um, Bert Arnotts, who took down Marino Van Honecker and Duke Bockel, who have both been in sensational form, and Freddie Van, Van Leert as well, who also finished second somewhere recently for, for an Ironman race. I think it might have been uh, possibly at Ironman France, so watch out for that name coming through. Sophie, Another Belgium athlete. Sophie Goose took out the women's, and good friend of the show, Rachel Joyce, came in second with uh, Emily, Emma Kate Lidbury in the third set. Nice. Good times. Okay, John, uh, let's chuck a sponsor in right now, eh? Let's get a sponsor on the show. So first of all, let's do, what do you want to do, athlinks.com? Athlinks.com. One thing I wanted to focus on today was the... The rivals section of the site. So one thing that they they've changed um, reasonably recently. It has been up there for a while now. Is you can sort of, if you do lots of races and uh, and you're often racing the same sort of people, you're going to have a big list of rivals. So what you can do, as long as you logged on to Athlinks, as long as you're claiming all your results, you can go in there and you can actually configure your rivals. So you can um, you can do it. Say I just want to have rivals in there that do triathlons, or if you're just focusing on your running, you say I just want to have running rivals or whatever. And then um, then you can actually go through and also select if you've still got a big list on there, you can select your you know your top rivals, your top 15, and just delete. Or, or add in people in and out. So and if you are, like you know, training buddies, or this can be people from your club, or just you know people you know, or so you can get rid of randoms that you don't know. Exactly. So it's just a great way to set up a bit of. Uh, funnily enough, it's called rivalry. Set, set up, uh, set up some rivalry amongst your triathlon buddies, or all should be on athletics as well. Well, actually, John, if you go to bevanjamesisles.com, I wrote a piece for the press this week, and I actually mentioned athletics on it because I was talking about social networking and talking about. Uh, the value of social networking in regards to motivation for exercise, and, and, and I was just mentioned how athletics is a really good place to you know keep your results and stuff, and and you know I, I do believe that nowadays you know if you talk about goal setting, often they say if you set a goal and you tell the world about it, you're going to be more successful with that goal, and athletics is a really good way to do that. You can kind of say that everyone in your community that hey, I'm doing this goal, um, and you can follow your tracking through athletics, and it just makes it really easy to keep that stuff up. Exactly. And carrying on with the Athlinks theme, we post always post our hot topic of the week up there. And if you want to um, contribute and be part of that, you just go through um, either imtalk.me and you can click on um, our discussion topic there, or you just go straight into Athlinks and you find our expo page and it's up there. And last week, we, the wait, wait topic a second, wait was. Before we do, they've got okay. 60 million results now. That's a lot of results. 60 million results. 
got to put my latest one up there. We had a race at the weekend. I've got to get on it. Do. do you think the ballerina oh, 5K, we'll talk about that later. wasn't pretty. wasn't? It, 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 the time wasn't pretty. Is there a 5K next weekend? Uh, but, I need to do 5K next weekend. There's a 10K next weekend, but entries are closed, so you're out of luck. Uh, really? Come on. Yeah. I've got, got pulling power in the uh, city. I'm sure I can get in. Give it a go. Give it a go. I okay, guess so the last week Take on the go. show we had a we had a Patrick the he only sent through a question. Oh, first of all, athletes.com, get on there, do it now. So yeah. Patrick Hurley. So Patrick Hurley, uh, he went and watched the race. I think it was Germany, and he was just he was fascinated in the amount of support the lead guys had, and I think they pretty much had a support vehicle with the front guy the whole ride. And so he was basically wondering, should pros be having support vehicles in the race? And uh, and it's a really good question. So you want to read one, John? Yep, uh, first one, and Andrew Brinsearch, good regular contributor to the show. Yes, it's crazy how these guys can train the whole year and can get it ruined um, as a, through a mechanical puncher, etc. Um, like Macker at Kona a couple of years ago when he couldn't get his cable fixed. Oh, good old Shane Sanford. He's, he's on the opposite side. He's saying, no, Ironman is all about you against the course and whatever adversities are thrown at you on the way and how you deal with them. So he totally disagrees. Craig Brighthouse, no, you could uh, never, you can never get it fair enough unless there was a vehicle for every pro competitor, and that's never going to happen. As you can't um, have one pro getting immediate, immediate assistance from a nearby vehicle when another may take several minutes to get help due to road position. Anyway, if triathletes clean their bikes a bit more, they might uh, might notice mechanicals before they happen on race day, eh, John? Bit of love on the show today. Uh, we already have mechanics during most races. Admittedly, the length of the course two might not be enough, but or two mechanics might not be enough. But as I learned from my friend, the deliverer says, if you have a mechanical at say other end of the aid station with access to a motorbike, and wait times can be cut down. However, this shouldn't be specific for the pros, but as uh, but at the front end of the race, tends to have more media attention anyway. If radios were used for the pros would get the advantage of getting quicker response times, which is true. The other option is to give headsets to the draft-busting riders who can report mechanics to their pillion riders concentrating on busting, which is true. Um, my final one there, Fegan, hang on. If there's no support vehicles, then who fixed Cat Morrison's chain at Ironman Lanzarote or check Beck Keats' chain at Rote? Uh, we already have support vehicles, albeit very few of them. The main issue would be cost, but if a course could have a mechanical station every 20 miles with a moped bike, he could just jump on, then maybe the 40-minute wait could be cut down to five minutes. I don't think pros should get specific, special assistance with the likes of tyre changes. They should still carry spares, pumps. Indeed, any tyre change should incur a two-minute penalty just to make sure break, uh, chain breaks etc should all be sorted ASAP by a mechanic Okay John what's your thoughts? Um, I think what they do in, well I think it's going to be different this year when they've got a lot less pros in Kona when there's only what is it 80 pros um, that, that probably won't be quite spread quite as far and wide um, so I, you know I think they um, could have more um, on more support vehicles on the course, but I think um, I pretty much agree with what Fegan said. There is, uh, you know, if you do have a mechanical, I'd like to see those times to get it fixed trimmed down. But I think you should be allowed to get outside assistance when it comes to puncture. Um, then I think, you know, I agree. You should have the, you should be carrying one or two spears, and you should be able to fix that yourself. If you end up getting three punches, then uh, then I think you know you should be able to get outside assistance. But I think it just needs to be, um, you know, I think if you get a mechanical. 
it should be penalised, but it shouldn't be the 40 minutes that they have to wait. There should be more vehicles out there, but you're never going to be able to, to make it even um, for everybody because it's not like a bike race where everybody's together or there's small packs and everybody, everybody's got a team support car, what have you. But I think they could, at Kona especially, they could have more vehicles out on the course. I think the thing that, that I'm thinking is that Support vehicles, there's advantages for some athletes. So let's say you're a bad swimmer, but, you know, so you have to ride through the pack and, you know, maybe you're a good strong runner to finish the race. And so you get out of the water and, and you're back in the pack. You, you may, if you get a mechanical, there's a real disadvantage to you because mechanical guys do tend to be closer to the guys at the front. So totally. whereas if you're a good swim biker, you know, if you if, let's say your chain breaks, well, you're probably going to get attention really quickly. And so I think the issue for me is is how can they distribute their attention more evenly? Now, maybe that's about having more on the course and, and that's probably a money thing. So maybe they need to invest a little bit more in that. But then at the same time, the ones that are out there, I, like how can you, it's a really hard question, but how can you set it up so it's fairly so that the the response time would be even for most of the pros out there at the same time? Because let's be honest, the, the difference between the top pro on the bike and the guy at the back is probably only twenty minutes anyway. You know, in the first lap or, or maybe a little bit longer, but it's not a huge. You know, it's not going to be a two hour gap. Yep. So yeah, for me, like I don't mind them having the guys out there, but it's really. If, if you're at the front, there's a real advantage because if you have a mechanical, you're going to get fixed really quickly. But if you have a mechanical and you're a little bit further back, it can really ruin your race. So that's the issue, I think, is how do they address that? So I think we both agree. More people on the course. Um, when it comes to age groupers, then it's a completely different story again. And I think, um, again, Fegan's probably got a pretty good um, grasp on it there, maybe having s- some more stationary people out on the course that maybe aid stations. So if you do have a mechanical that you can still ride with, but you're not going to be able to do the whole course, say, for example, you're stuck in your, your big chainring or your small chainring, then they can maybe fix that there. So I think, you know, at the end of the day, all these races are selling out and we're saying, oh, there's not much money. You know, it's going to cost more money. I mean, I think they've got budget to do it. I would hope they've got budget to do it when these races are selling out so quickly, and especially Kona, which is always going to be sold out. You know, it can't be that expensive. No, I mean, it's just paying, it's just paying some labour for some, some guys to be there. And, you know, you don't need 500 of the people out there and uh, and they don't need to each have 10 sets of wheels with them. Most of them, you know, uh, mechanicals um, can be fixed with tools unless you start to have you know, multiple broken spokes. But, you know, it's not that, much, that hard to carry a little bit of extra cable with them. But anyway, we'll see what happens. Yeah, it's interesting, yeah. Yeah, I would definitely want, I want to see, see the sport like we were as um, Tour de France or anything. That would just be kind of not what we do. Okay, so um, what's what's happening here? We've got uh, this week's discussion. What has it gone? Oh, this is a bit weak, John. Oh, come on then. Will you come up with one? Maybe you should be in charge of this section because I, I am a bit weak at the moment coming up with good ones. Oh, you've just put me on the spot. Um, I have. Okay, what I'll do is I'll try to think of one by the end of the show. Okay. Okay, so we've got to think of a discussion of the week by the end of the show. We haven't got music okay. this week, guys, because I'm in I'm in Taipei. I'm in, I'll, I'll tell you what, John, I'm so hot right now. Not like as in, I you not as in like as in fashionable hot, because I've had to turn off the air conditioning in my room. I'm in this I'm in this hotel room. It's honestly I'm pretty sure a poor few porn movies were made in this room because it's pretty tragic. And I've had to turn off the aircon because of the show, and it's about 35 <laughs> degrees, and I'm I'm scorching. I nice. I'm glad we haven't got the uh, you know webcam going. Uh, you wouldn't want it, John, because it's too much information. You don't want to know. Anyway, website of the week. This week, I'll do, let's go. Three, two, one. Website, website of the week. This is absolute gold. Good old. Uh, how to say the name? 
Francois Xavier Lee. Okay, I would like to mention Iron Band, the first rock band singing songs inspired by their training, traveling, and racing to Iron Man triathlons. First album, Gotta Get to Kona, has some hilarious titles such as Not Tonight Honey, I've Got a 20 Miler in the Morning, or Past the Shammer's Butt, Butter, oh, yeah, nice. Uh, better. It's free. And it's I am talk. So if you want to go to the website, it's, it's, it, it is gold. It is honestly gold. I'm actually got, we'll put one of the songs on at the end of the show, eh? Yeah. So at the end of the show, we'll, I listened to the, it's not uh, not tonight, honey. I've got a 20 miler in the morning. And here's some of the words. It's not tonight, honey. I've got a 20 miler in the morning. I've got my tights, body gliding goo. Sorry, I didn't give you a warning. If you shave your legs, you would shave mine. I love the 90. But whoa! Look at the time. Not tonight, honey. I've got a twenty miler in the morning. So and and I had to listen to a couple of these songs last night, and uh, and they, they do some classic lyrics. So of their top fifteen songs here, that, that first one, "Not Tonight, Honey," I've got a twenty miler in the morning. Chafed on the backside is track two. I, like I don't, I don't mind being passed by a chick. Nice. <laughs> yeah, pass the chamois butter. Carbon upgrade. Racing in Phuket, Aero Envy, Sandbagger, Mike Riley said I'm an Iron Man, Aid Station Hooker, Slow Twitch Shuffle, they call him Buddha, I don't know what that one would be about, White white Shorts Mistake, um, <laughs> Walking on the Bike Course, Chrissy Came to Kansas, so um, it looks pretty classic, the music's um, it's pretty good, yeah. I don't know what you think of it, but it's uh, it's worthwhile yeah, having a listen to and you can um, if you, you want to download the on the homepage Chrissy's actually given them the endorsement so hey if Chrissy likes it it must be gold nice hey, Idols, thanks for making rock and the Blazeman tri- roll the fourth triathlon distance so there you go rock and rock and these guys must be from Kansas or something like that because we haven't we've got some Kansas City triathlon gear I think haven't we we've got Scott Turner can it can it no, have we? No, we've got the heaps of Vine Man. No, I think we've got some KC KC stuff. Oh, we did. No, we did get KC. We did. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Yeah. 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 And and if you go to the website again, you look at the um, the Iron Band logo. They've they've managed to get away from having the M dot. They've got an I dot. They've got a dot above their I and a and dot a above dot. their A. So I think and it's, it's go all to good. The, the about, which is pretty gold as well. It's got them as an athlete and as a musician. Nice. Uh, gold. So check it out. It's uh, ironbandmusic.com. And I'll put one of their songs on at the end of the show today. So you guys, I'm going to do Not Tonight, Honey. It's a 20 miler in the morning. So Nice. You know, you know your sport's not good for your love life when you're saying that. <laughs> <laughs> it is. Yeah, the, the lyrics are classic. Okay, let's go to our next sponsor, triathlontunes.com. One thing we actually need to mention to you guys, good old Brian, who we had on the show a few weeks ago. Um, was it Quarter Lane? Uh, Placid, I think. Placid, Lake Placid, sorry, yep. He managed to qualify for Kona, so good on you, Brian, because it's a bloody good effort, and it's something that, you know, a lot of our listeners and a lot of people in the world, um, you know, just try so hard to do, and, and we know you came from a place where, you know, you weren't necessarily the fittest guy a few years ago to, to come back and qualify for Kona. It's a pretty amazing achievement. It is. It's sensational, and um, yeah, I totally agree. Funny, so we'll, uh, just the whole Kona prestige. I'm, I'm in Taipei at the moment, and I had to teach a spin class every day, and as a young Asian a Taiwanese boy who was oh, probably 22 look I'm, I'm so old nowadays but um, and we were talking he did triathlon he'd done a few halves and you know and, and I mentioned you know that I did Ironman you know as you do and I told him I'd done Kona and once I said I'd done Kona like I told him I'd done races and I kind of gave him my time and all the rest of it and he seemed impressed but once I said Kona it was like you know I'd gone to God status you know it was like you know, it 
was like, it was really, it was just really fascinating the prestige that race has. And it's and it's just it's going to get harder to get there. I was talking to somebody this morning who she um, gave up a roll down slot. I think it was either last year or the year before at Taupo. Um, so she's sort of on that on that verge of um, just qualifying or just not qualifying. And I said, well, it's gonna it's gonna get a lot harder at Taupo. They've gone from eighty slots to fifty, so you're probably going to have to finish an extra two or three places up to get a slot. So it's just going to get harder, and, and I guess uh, prestige will, will keep will, will keep growing. I think. Well, good old Brian. He can he can go on that list because he's qualified and he'll be going there this year. So great work, Brian. Okay, what so, do we talk about, John? So go to triathlontunes.com and um, we've talked about how you can get your own tune tune made. You just basically send in a, the image that you want um, turned into a caricature and then um, away they go. You can choose your style. But there's lots of cool things. Obviously, you'll get it um, sent over as an email. Bevan's talked about putting it on Facebook and what have you. But if you are going to use it as a gift, um, there's also some cool things you can get put on there. So you can get it done on mugs or water bottles and T-shirts um, that look like they've got... Um, uh, stickers, cards, posters, aprons. So if you're if you if you're just looking for ideas, you basically go to triathlontoons.com. Um, you click on buy products, and then it's got a whole list of things on there. All the prices in terms of t-shirts and what have you, um, different unique gifts, posters, and what have you. So just get on there, triathlontoons.com. Get your your, your um, picture up there. Get a gift made for somebody, and then you can either choose just to have that as a as an image, or you can actually choose to get it put onto something. So fantastic really gift giving. I really think this is a great gift idea. You know, because now that when people buy gifts, people just don't put thought into it. And I, like I like buying gifts for people. It's something I I can't know. I, I take pleasure in buying really good gifts for people. And, I, and you you try to do like I always try to do things that are different and fun, and. And, and you know the person will like and get value from and, and you know when it comes to gifts we often go oh I'll just get them some perfume or I'll get them the thing I've always got them every year you know like we just don't put much effort into it and this is one of the things that you'll buy someone and it's one of those things that's a little bit risky you buy it and you go oh I hope they like it but I guarantee nine times yeah. out of ten the person will really love this because it was yeah. like I told you about how Joe and I gave her mother a middle name eh yep <laughs> like really stupid risky present but she she loved it and it was one of those things that she'll remember forever it's not like a bottle of perfume that you just forget and goes away and and a present like this is a really great idea because you know like it's just not something you normally get and it's one of those things that you may think to yourself oh, I'd love to do that but you don't necessarily get around to doing and um, you know for a gift if someone were to give that to you you'd really love it eh yeah so check it out triathlontoons.com check, check. And yeah. remember, actually, uh, use discount to- code IMTALK and you get 15% discount. Okay, John. Love your work. So uh, next up on the show, we have uh, 1997 Ironman World Champion, uh, Heather Fear. And uh, she's also won a lot of races as I listened to your interview, but you could talk about that in the interview, John. I hope you turned your phone off because you want to be unprofessional. Wouldn't want to do that. I've already stuffed up the day that I did the interview and had to do it myself. But uh, yeah, if you're as a, a real legend, if you if you're fairly new yeah, to the sport, I, I, you know, I didn't appreciate how great she was. Oh, she's won huge amount of titles. Great runner. Often, uh, she was a weak swimmer and came through on the bike um, and and the run. And you know, she won a Kona title, but she also had lots and lots of um, top tens and I think I think a number of podiums. So she was she was quality. Obviously. Um, okay, let's chuck her in right now. Righty, on this week's show, we're very happy to have uh, the 1997 Hawaii Ironman champ, who's now also doing some work with WTC, so she's going to um, tell us a bit about the new 
pro qualifying rules and all the, 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 the stuff that's been going around in the press. Uh, she's also won multiple Ironman titles. I think I counted around about 16-ish on the site in America, Brazil, Switzerland, Germany, Japan and a whole bunch of other things. So welcome along to the show, Heather Fewer. Thank you very much. It's great to, uh, great to be on here. I appreciate you having me. Cool. So obviously it's been um, a few years since you retired from Ironman. Maybe um, just uh, let us know what you've been up to since then. I saw on your website you're obviously still pretty active. Ran a 248 marathon last year and doing a bit of Xterra stuff. So what, what have you been up to? You know what, I've been in, enjoying just sort of being a, what I call more of a recreational athlete and just sort of doing what I feel like. And, and of course I have that competitive nature, so I still like to compete when I can. Um, and for me, with you know, with all the the travel and stuff that I do, running is the easiest thing to do, and and that's the thing that I love to do the most. So, I you know, I still run a fair bit and, and jump into races here and there where I can, and and the trail runs are sort of what I enjoy doing now because I can't compare <laughs> can't compare it to anything that I've done before. So you can't you know I uh, definitely am not as fast as I used to be. So it's nice to just go out there and run and. You run hard when you can, and you don't go as fast other times on the trail. So, so I've been enjoying doing that, and it's, um, as I said, it's sort of now secondary to you know the traveling and the work that I do with with WTC and, and various other things. So I still stay active, but it's certainly um, nothing like I used to be at all. So, so I see you ran a, um, a 2.48 there. Excuse that phone, I'm just going to check that out here. Um, I see you ran a 2.48 um, last year. I mean, how does that compare to the sort of shape you were in when you were, you know, um, at, your be- at your peak for triathlon? Did you ever do a fresh marathon when you were um, racing? You know, I never did. Um, that, that run that I did last year, the rock and roll, was the first um, real flat-out road marathon that I'd ever done. Um, outside of a triathlon, so uh, outside of an Ironman. So, no, I, I, I couldn't really compare it to how I would have been when I was in my top shape. Um, you know, I don't I don't know that it would have been that much different when I was in top shape as far as flat-out speed. So, so who knows? I mean, you can't I, – I don't know because I'd never done one, you know, when I was in that Ironman-type shape. Yeah. And how did you know it was time to retire from Ironman? Because I remember watching the Kona coverage one year and um, you ended up – being in the commentary booth after you've been out on the course for a few hours and just called it a day, what what sort of was the trigger for you to say, hey, I've, I've had enough of this? You know, I think the biggest thing was um, the desire, not necessarily the de- desire to be out there, but the, the desire wasn't there to do the training anymore and to get out um, day after day and go out and, and do the training that was required to be at that level. And and I didn't really want to continue on um, and, and and not be at that level. So, you know, it became pretty clear to me that if you weren't willing to put the time in with the training, then you weren't going to be at that level. And so for me, you know, it, it became pretty clear that that was the time that I needed to step away. Yeah. And, uh, and, and the way I knew that was the right decision is, you know, I had no problem going and watching Ironman races after that and enjoying watching and, and not really having any desire to be out there on the course and doing it. So, you know, that sort of made me feel like I had made the right decision when I when I would be able to go and watch and enjoy watching a race and not and not feel bad and want to be in there. So, you know, and, and for everybody it's different, but for me it definitely was the time. And, and I had fought it for, you know, a year or two before that as well and just tried to push through it. And um, and then it just became a time where it was like, okay, you know, it's time to move on. I've, I've enjoyed doing what I've done and I've accomplished everything and more that I've wanted to do. So, 
you know, it's time to just sort of step away and, and go on another path. Nice. Well, we, well, we obviously you raced in, in all corners of the globe, especially with your Ironman stuff. You know, you, out of all the people racing, you know, it looked like you, you did, you know, you got to the majority of the races around. I mean, what, what were some of your favorite memories and uh, favorite races? You know, as you said, I've, I've been able to be, you know, race at a lot of different places and I, I love them all. They were all very different. Um, I always loved racing in Europe, you know, so, uh, New Zealand was one of the very first Ironman events that I ever did. And, oh, really? and so that, yeah, so that, I mean, that was outside of Hawaii. I'd done Hawaii one time and then um, New Zealand was was the next uh, race that I did. And so um, that was a long time ago and it was it was a lot of fun, obviously on a different course than it is now. Um, but that was always enjoyable. Um, you know what, I can't, I can honestly say that every place I went, I enjoyed being there and, um, and you know, the, the courses were all different and it was great to go to those places and meet the people and, and be, be able to travel and, and do what you love to do. I'm picking you're probably pretty happy you don't have to um, lock horns with Chrissy Wellington right now if, if, if you were still in your prime. <laughs> you know what, I, I, I sit back and I think, wow, I couldn't have timed this any better, could I have? It's just <laughs> insane. I timed my exit just perfectly. <laughs> yeah, so she's pretty insane. Anyway, onto the obviously the WTC side of things. There's been a lot of changes there, and and you're right in the thick of it. Um, and the, and, the, and a lot of that obviously around the the new pro card and qualifying. I mean, firstly, with the you know the change in kind of qualifying, why did this all come about? I mean, have people been complaining? Um, it was what what was the sort of motivation to do that? Obviously, it's been the way it has been for for a long, long time. And, and I think you just you just hit the nail on the head there, and it has been that way for a long, long time. And um, we felt, and, and I think, you know, it's a general consensus that we need to move the sport to continue to move it forward. And it was just sort of staying stagnant and staying how it had been, and not that that's wrong and not that there was anything wrong with that, but, um, but we did feel like it was time to make a step up and, and bring Ironman and triathlon to that next level that some of the other professional sports are at. And if you look at any of the, you know, the, the top sports, you know, tennis, golf, they all have a similar type um, points standing in series that, that they follow. And so we, tr- we were trying to sort of bring triathlon up to that next step and up to that next level. And, um, and so, you know, through a lot of, you know, going back and forth with the pro athletes, with our with our group that we had in 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 house, just going through that, and it, it took a lot a lot of time and a lot of um, different you know different versions of what we finally came up with to come up with it. And and I know that there that it it obviously doesn't make everybody happy, and that there's a lot of um, a negative out there as well. But and there always will be when you change something that's been the same for that long. Um, but I hope that people will see um, what we're trying to do, and, and next year will really um, will really show that. I mean, it's it's easy to see something on paper and 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 drill holes in it and and and, and that sort of thing. And it's also easy to see it on paper and think it's going to work perfectly. Mm-hmm. Um, but I think next year when we when we get out there and we implement this, it's going to be uh, we're looking forward to it. I think it's going to add some excitement to to the Ironman racing and and. Um, and I think we'll also see that, you know, if there are changes that need to be made at that time, um, you know, to make it work <clears throat> perfectly or, or as close to perfectly as it, we can, then we will make those at that time as well. 
how did you come up with the weighting system? Because we were we were looking at it the other day, and you know, for example, I've got it here. So, say for example, Cameron Brown wins Ironman New Zealand. He's going to get say a thousand points for doing that. But at the same time, if he went and did um, say the, the the Ironman Germany, which is European Championships, you know, a win in New Zealand would only you know equate to say getting thirteenth or fourteenth at a at what you in a regional championship race. So, how did you sort of go about coming up with this? This formula, obviously, as you said, you're never going to get it perfect, but, but what was the sort of process that you went through? Well, I mean, the thought is is to, I mean, obviously we have a world championship event like Kona and the 70.3 world championship, which is what we're, you know, trying to qualify people for. We also wanted to have some, um, some marquee events, which would be, you know, those championship events like the, the Germany, um, you know, just events like that where... I don't want to call them triple crown events, but that's an easy way to explain it. Mm-hmm. You know, to have something which it, it's it's viewed as something, I don't know, bigger than some of the other events. And therefore, the points that are awarded at that, that type of race are much, much more. Um, obviously, the thought is that we want to get more people there. Yeah. Um, if people are, you know, and support those and, and build those few races that are going to be our big marquee events. Um, and then, and then in that same same way, allow some of the other events um, to be more regional events. And you know, New Zealand will fall under that category. And it, you know, people that are more local to that area um, will be able to score points there. Um, you know, and there's many other events. You know, New Zealand is just a small example, but there's a lot of lo- of regional events in in the U.S. and around the world that will have that same type of um, structure where Yes, definitely the points are less, um, but it is um, trying to, to give some of those regional athletes some points. Um, we do, we are trying to get the people to go to our bigger events, and that's great. That's where the waiting goes. Exactly. Okay, and, and in terms of the prize money side of things, who sort of decides on that? Because again, I'm looking at the the sheet here and say Ironman New Zealand, which has always had you know fifty thousand dollars prize money, uh, stays the same as a thousand point race. But then you go to Ironman Australia, thousand point race, but there's only twenty five thousand dollars prize money. And I do understand they have the seventy point three there on the same day. But is that d- a decision made by the the race director of that race, or is that a WTC decision, or how does that sort of um, come about? Well, it, it depends. You know, we we also obviously have some licensed events, and we have some some owned events and the events that are WTC owned, we can, we can set the prize money at those events and say, this is what it's going to be. The licensed events, you know, we set a minimum that we would like it to be. For example, the 25,000, if an event wants to have a higher, a higher prize purse, we're obviously not going to go against that. We, you know, that, that they're open to do that, but we set some minimums at the, that the different events have to set, have to match, so or have to meet. Sorry. Okay. So for those, that's where those figures are. Those are definitely the the minimum value that that events have to reach. Obviously, the WTC owned events, that's the value that they're going to be at. Yeah. Um, the licensed events, they do have the opportunity if they want, you know, to have a higher price purse. But that is the the minimum that we that we request of them. 
and I, I don't know if you can answer this or not because your area is, is the pro side of things, but in terms of the licensing and the WTC events, um, I mean, we've been seeing the, the light, more events to being, to, I don't know if losing the license is the right word, but WTC taking over those, is that going to be something that's going to sort of continually to happen to sort of phase in so WTC does end up um, owning pretty much all the iron distance races or are there still going to be licenses out there? You know what, I wish I could answer that for you, and, and, and I can't really, and um, that's a little beyond my, little beyond my scope. Um, as you said, you know, some, it's definitely going more towards WTC um, owning more of the events. Um, however, in certain parts of the world, um, you know, Asia and that sort of thing, they are going more for the licensed events. So, um, you know, so it, it just depends, and again, that's not really my sort of area to, to, to speak on, but I think you're going to see it continue both directions it's not going to be totally um wtc taking over all the events um you're going to still see some of those licensed events out there and in terms of the the, the point scoring and, and what have you you know when um when the olympics sort of came in the itu were really um forcing athletes to do world cups and and basically do their series and they did try to you know basically crush other races that that were set up obviously by this point scoring system is that part of what you know WTC motivation is to really try to force athletes to be doing WTC races was that sort of in the discussions or was it was it not well I mean most certainly yes it is I mean we do want athletes to support our races not to say that we don't think that they can go and do other races or should go and do other races you know healthy competition is always great and um um, but you know the bottom line is we do want athletes to come and support our events um, we want the athletes that are going to come and be part of the world championship to have done some of our other events and, and support the, the brand worldwide. So that certainly has come into play. Um, I don't, I don't think it is to the point where we don't want the athletes to go anywhere else. You know, that's not, that's definitely not the point, but we certainly want to encourage them to do some more of our events rather than, um, maybe make one appearance at the world championship in a year. Sure. And that's, and that's really all that they've, that they do and, and don't support any other events. So um, we certainly have, you know, structured it somewhat that way to get athletes to, to do more of our events, but not certainly not to exclude any other events for them to do as well. Okay. And, and um, how did the, uh, you know, so the top 10 people from Kona feel about um, having to obviously go and quali- do qualifying races now because in the past you know you've got your top 10 in Kona and it's basically you, you tick it into next year and, and guys like Craig Alexander sure he does plenty of 70.3 races but he doesn't have to go and do any iron distance races was uh, was there a bit of uh, a bit of bit of negative feedback from those guys or were they pretty happy to go with the uh, the changes you know I think you, you could see it both ways um, those athletes that who who do Ironman races throughout the year, I think, are, are happy that everybody is going to have to do an Ironman race throughout the year, um, you know, because obviously somebody that hasn't done an Ironman race throughout the year, um, get, towing the line in Kona will be fresher and, you know, more fresh than somebody who has had to do an Ironman race. So it sort of balances the field and, and levels that playing field and, and makes sure that everybody who is towing the line in Kona has has an under an Ironman under their belt during that year. So I think um, I think you see both sides of it. Obviously, somebody who who feels that you know they can only do one Ironman a year, you know, then they're not happy about that at all. Um, but you are seeing a lot of people who do multiple multiple Ironman events in a year, 
And so I don't think for them it was any any change at all. And obviously, with the um, with kind of the, the, the field size has decreased, and I think most people seem to be in support of that. I, I, I think I am, and and I've seen Chrissy Welling say that it's, it's not necessarily a, a bad thing. Um, what happens to the, you know in the past, we say about 150 slots there, roughly. Um, what happens to those sort of 70 slots that have disappeared? Are they going to trickle down into age groupers, or just become sort of null and void? Well, I mean, I have a feeling, and again, this isn't sort of my area of expertise, but, you know, with new events coming along and that sort of thing, that they these slots will be allocated that way. And most certainly, I don't think they'll just disappear. I think that they will um, end up somewhere in the in, in the age group ranks, whether it's at a new event or whether they, they add some slots um, to other events. So, you know, obviously, we've, we've taken however many of those slots. So... Um, they will be there somewhere, and, and again, I'm unfortunately not able to, to give you the information on exactly how that's going to be determined. We'll just have to get Ben Furtick on the show. Yeah, exactly, we should have had Ben on. <laughs> um, <laughs> one of the things, obviously, that um, this time of the year, sort of Tour de France time, that is obviously uh, often the media is, is uh, drug-taking and what have you, and when you brought in the, the new pro card, um, at the start of this year, um, one of the things in there was there's going to be um, more drug testing done. So can you maybe fill us in on what drug testing is, is being done, um, ballpark, and, and whether it's just in-competition stuff or whether there is out-of-competition testing being done? Um, yes. Yeah, so, I mean, that is a huge step that we've taken this past year and will continue is, you know, all athletes that are a member of our Ironman professional membership are now in our testing pool and our have, and we do have the ability to test those. So um, we've done a number of tests this year, you know, just sort of off the top of my head, I would say there's probably been a total of 200 tests that we've done thus far this year. Um, about 150 of those have been in competition and about 50 out of competition. Cool. So, um, so there's been a lot um, and, and there will continue to be more. Um, so that has been a huge step that we've taken this year. So, you know, that, and, and, um, so I think most athletes are very happy about that. And, uh, and, and we, we do, this is the, finally, we have the ability to do that with the pro membership, you know, in the past we haven't had, we haven't had that pool of athletes in any one, um, one place, you know, you, the, the federations had, have had their athletes and they would do the testing. However, there was not any, any control on, you know, on our, on our side of it. So this way yeah. we do have the ability to, to be able to test all the athletes and know, um, you know, that, that the athletes that, that are in that are you know, professional membership, they know that, that at any time they could be potentially tested. Nice. Um, it, just in terms of getting your pro card, is it pretty much if you if you pay the bill, um, whatever seven hundred fifty dollars it is, I think uh, you can you can basically race as pro. Or are there any um, qualifying criteria you need to to be able to you know, go into that uh, that pool of, of athletes and, and enter any race as a pro? So I mean, what we do, you know, we we're not we're not in the business of, of issuing pro cards for anybody. You know, that's we certainly don't want to get in, into that as far as determining who is a pro and who isn't a pro. So that is left to the governing bodies of each country. So if an athlete um, holds a pro card in their country or an elite card or is recognized as a professional athlete in their country, then, then we take that, you know, as, um, you know, a, a, that's the information that we use to then 
provide them with the pro membership, Ironman pro membership. So we don't um, we don't go out and and provide um, pro cards to people, so to speak. We take the information from their governing bodies and say, okay, yes, you're a member, you're a licensed pro in that country, for example, New Zealand. Um, you know, if you if then okay, so you have a you have the results and that sort of thing that that warrant you being a pro. And so then we we go ahead and um, an issue. The pro membership. Obviously, there's certain countries that don't have that. Yeah. Um, you know, some of the smaller countries. So that's where it is based a little bit on on you know a resume, a sport resume, just to see um, to make sure that they do meet certain criteria, which which would be similar to what a, a governing body would look at. So so again, in the most part, it's it's just taking what the the NGBs have and and on their list of, of pro athletes, and then those athletes are then able to get the Ironman Pro membership. One thing that I think a lot of people think, and, and this is probably from an age group perspective, is, is obviously WTC is, is a business, um, and, and you know, you've been, you're owned by a private equity company, and, and obviously they want to see a profit and what have you. What, what is the motivation for WTC, given, given that... Um, that races basically sell out within an hour. I think somebody emailed me this morning saying Placid sold out within an hour. Um, obviously, these races are, are, are selling out straight away. Boom, you know, popularity is, is going through the roof. What, what's the motivation for you guys to be actually increasing prize money? I know the pros, you know, bitch and moan about it, but um, are you? What is the motivation when, when you're selling races out anyway, and you're, you're probably obviously going to be, you know, returning good money to your shareholders and what have you? Well, I think I think the biggest thing is, you know, and our, our sport is one of the only sports where the age groupers and the and the pros alike can race on the same course and be out there at the same time. And I think, you know, that the age groupers love to see that, and and we can we appreciate that and understand that and know that, yes, the age grouper is our customer, but our pro athletes are very important to keeping those age group athletes happy. They enjoy seeing the pro athletes out there. They love watching them. They love to be able to have Craig Alexander, Chrissy Wellington run by them and to see those athletes out there. So so for us, it's very important to have those pros um, because, again, it, it keeps the age group athletes excited about the sport and wanting to do it. So, you know, in order to, to keep our pro athletes happy, um, you have to change things and you have to, have to move forward. And, you know, that's where this year – Sorry for 2011. We, you know, bumped up the prize purse in gen- in general for the, for the all the Ironman races by a lot, yeah. and um, and hopefully that's going to, you know, allow, you know, the pro athletes to make a, a better living and to be out there, and then in turn that keeps our our customer, which we consider, you know, the age group athlete happy as well. Um. One other, a couple of other things I just had down here was, you know, perhaps from you, you know, maybe take off your, your WTC hat for, for for a second, which I know is probably really difficult to do. But um, to, in, in terms of, you know, like the up and coming athlete, you know, that they they do bitch and well, it's not not all them, but a lot do bitch and moan saying it's hard. You know, the prize money is not great. What what do you think they can do to en- enhance their ability to to be a Make themselves a better business. You know, obviously, prize money is is uh, is is improving, but you know, it's difficult just to make a living off prize money. Is there any advice you can give them in terms of how they can make the best out of themselves and and and, and lift their profile and, and actually be able to make a real living out of the sport? And what and maybe things that you've done yourself when you were an athlete? Well, I think that you know, you 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 really 
hit on something here is that, you know, racing is just one part of being a professional athlete, especially a professional triathlete. It's a very important part, but there's the whole other side of it, and that's marketing yourself, being available um, for your sponsors and for, you know, public appearances and that sort of thing. The more you can get yourself out there and be available for that type type of thing, the more valuable you are to your sponsors. And yes, prize money is going up, but you're exactly right. It, it's very hard to make a living just on prize money. And so even if you, you do win a lot of races, if, if you're not having the whole package and you're not being a professional in all aspects of the word, then it's going to be hard to really make a living. Um, so, you know, a lot of times as a pro athlete, and, and I, I know, you know, I can speak from experience, you get caught up in, in just racing and, and being out there and just focusing solely on that. But unfortunately, you have to get out there and you have to treat yourself as a business and, and you know, promote yourself that way and, um, and and do that. So, you know, I would always encourage athletes to do that. And, you know, while they are focusing on their racing, to get themselves out there and, and build, you know, build that profile for themselves so that they are more beneficial. They will see that they and can prove that they're more beneficial to their sponsors. And then their sponsors will in turn you know, hopefully pay them a little bit more, utilize them in advertising and that sort of thing that gets their name out. So it just keeps the ball rolling. Yeah, uh, certainly a lot of them have got a bit of work to do. I mean, uh, fantastic athletes, but, you know, yeah, I agree. It's in terms of marketing themselves, a bit of work to do. Um, one, one last question that I've got here is, um, obviously Lance Armstrong has indicated he's uh, going to give triathlon a, a good nudge again in the next uh, 2011. Um, and, and I know that when you introduced the, the option of having wild cards for qualifying for Kona, a few people said, oh, they're just putting that in for, for Lance Armstrong. Um, what, how would he get to... Cl- to Kona, would he have? I mean, um, you've seen people like the what is it, the Biggest Loser or whatever. He he got into Kona, but presumably not by qualifying. Um, would Lance be able to get in as a pro, or would he have to qualify, or or would it be more likely he gets uh, some sort of complimentary slot? He, if Lance wanted to compete as a pro in Kona, he would have to qualify like anybody else. He would have to go and get a pro card, a USAT pro card, which would require him to go and you know, do a couple events and get certain results so that he could have that pro card. I mean, that's a requirement and there's nothing we can do about that. We, you know, if he wanted to go and race age group, um, then I would say he probably would get some, he could get in. Um, if he wants to race pro though, there's no way of getting around it. He needs to get a pro card from USAT. He then needs to become a pro member, you know, and then he needs to qualify. So, um, so there's no, you know, the, the, the wild card thing was certainly not um, made for Lance or made to, you know, rescue anybody in particular to get them to Kona. Um, it was more of a sort of a fail safe if for some reason the system that we've set up just didn't work. You know what I mean? And, and there are certain people that just didn't make it. So it was not a Lance clause by any means. And, um, and so if he wants to come and he wants to do it, he has to qualify um, like any other pro would have to do. What, what about like um, is, a, is a wild card in there? If, if someone, say Craig Alexander, um, was injured for six nine months, managed to get back racing sort of ten weeks out from Kona, is that an instance where it might be used, or that's just tough luck because he was injured and was not able to qualify? You know what? I don't know that we would specifically use a wild card for that. Um, you know what I mean? There would be definitely a lot of um, 
a lot of outcry if if it was used specifically for somebody like that. I think it's just there in case, and and not to say that that may be the case. I, you know, it's sort of there more as a fail safe on our point system if it just mm. doesn't necessarily work as we had hoped it would be. Not necessarily for somebody who's injured throughout the year and, and isn't able to qualify and wants to come back. It's more as a backup on the point system, um, you know, just to make sure that we that we have something to fall back on in case, you know, there there is some gaping hole that we haven't seen. Nice. Well, that's all the questions I've got. I mean, is there any other parts of the, you know, the release in terms of the pro side things that you want to get across, or is that uh, pretty much wrap it up? You know, I think that pretty much wraps it up. You know, I think, you know, I just sort of just want to say, you know, that that I know that there's views both ways on this, and, and we are really trying to work and make it, a, you know, better sport for the pros. And, and, and once this gets rolling, we may have changes that we need to make, and that may be very clear, but... Um, but it all, it, it, you know, it's not us sitting here trying to um, be greedy and decide what we want the pros to do. We really want to make something better for the pro athletes. So um, we always encourage comments and concerns that athletes have. You know, we're always open to that. And, um, and, and we hope that this is a step in the right direction. Excellent. Certainly looks like it is, so well done. And um, we sometimes give the WTC a, a little bit of a hard time, and we definitely want to get um, Ben Furtick or somebody like that on the show. We can sort of discuss maybe the, the general direction of WTC and where it's all going at some stage in the future. But thank you very much for coming on and uh, giving up your time and just talking through these pro issues. I appreciate it. Thank you so much for having me on. So I, I actually haven't listened to the whole interview, so I've just listened to the bit with the phone. I just got sick of it and turned it off because it was just unprofessional. But what <laughs> I didn't listen to it later on today because I'm flying home, but tell me about it. What, what, what was going well, on with the insight from it? When I initially, you know, reapproached at WTC to try to get on the sh- get them on the show, wanted to, you know, hit the hard topics again, and unfortunately, you know, Heather was um, really only able to address the the new pro issues in terms of all the pro card stuff. So we discussed that and and, um, and some good points out there, but nothing really too controversial. So I am going to try to arrange an interview with somebody else in the WTC so we can actually start to try to figure out the the general direction of, of where the sport's going and maybe ask them a few of the harder questions. But Heather was basically only able to comment on the, the pro side of things but all in all I think um, I think they're heading in the right direction and I think it gave it a little more clarity to the things we've discussed and uh, yeah I think they are trying to tear their series so they've got the gold races you've got your silver races and then you've got your sort of bronze races and, and hopefully that will create a little bit of a pathway for the athletes to move through um, but it's still you know the money has uh, gone up slightly it's still going to be really really hard for pros to make a living from prize money alone they're going to have to still get off their butts and um and think of alternative streams of income income in terms of endorsements and what have you i'll have to check out the interview right our next sponsor on the show good old extreme endurance Probably one of the things that I really want to emphasize with extreme endurance, obviously we've, we've talked about how it um, can buffer your lactic acid and, and increase performance, but one of the concerns, um, especially high-level athletes are going to have is, is whether they are cheating by taking this product and whether it is actually legal. And when we first talked to Sandy about this, um, I think that is a really key point is they, that you, you have the protection of, of this being sort of um, in line with the WADA anti-doping agency code and it's 
independently tested. So, you know, you've got that faith that you are taking something that you're looking to give you an advantage from over and above other people, but you know that it's been proved to be a safe product and it's been proved that um, if you were to get tested, that this product has been tested and it will not push you over any thresholds and you're not going to bring back a, a positive test. And it's such a big thing for pro athletes to, to be conscious of, of what they're taking because we've seen examples over the past um, where athletes have claimed that their products have been tainted and that's why they've tested positive. Rebecca Keith is a, is a, is a fantastic example in triathlon. Um, it was claimed she, she proved the, whether the, the product she took um, was tainted and there was going to be a court case. Don't know whatever happened with that. Um, but it's just nice to be able to have something that, that you've got faith that it is safe. Well, that's a frustrating thing. So, because uh, I was thinking about this the other day, and I think a lot of general public assume that athletes have a lot of knowledge in all areas of sport. Oh, you know what I mean? Yeah. And, and they think that the, the, the you know the athlete on the road would know that this certain supplement would have you know illegal substances or not. And athletes are good at training. Yeah. <laughs> and good at racing, mean? training and racing, training, racing, and some are into the science, but really. Most athletes, you know, they all they focus on is, is training, eating, sleeping, and, and racing, and and mm-hmm. they, don't, you know, it's not that I'm saying they're thick, but they don't really spend their time learning about all this stuff, and you know, and to know what to know, and to, so when it comes to supplements, if you can get a product that's actually been tested to make sure it's natural, then that you know, and and, and on a, on a, under a body that has credibility, it just makes it a lot safer for you to not stress about it. Because I know, like, shit, I was never really a pro, but when I did wrote, I was using a supplement. I can't remember what it was, but and in the end, I decided not to use it because I just didn't know. And I was stressed that, well, if I use the supplement and then it's actually got something that's illegal. And, and to be honest, to actually find out the illegal list of drugs was, was a really, it was a bit of an effort. And so oh, yeah. I chose not to use it. But if, if a supplement you use has been tested by a credible source, then that just makes, takes a lot of stress away for the athlete, eh? Exactly. So you take it safely and it's going to buff your lactic acid and uh, improve your performance. So check it out at xendurance.com um, and remember to use discount code IMTALK and the first batch of athletes that get in there get a discount on the products. We have had questions about um, if you're in New Zealand, for example, can you get it? Um, at this stage, you can't. We'll inquire again about that. But basically anywhere in um, North America, anywhere in Europe, um, you can basically go to xendurance.com um, and they'll have a link to that, uh, to your sort of region. Uh, it is going to be coming out in Australia at some stage later this year um, and perhaps then we can get it across uh, get it into New Zealand from Australia but anyway check it out xendurance.com good times um, what was I going to say we'll, we'll flag age group of the week because it's going to be a pretty long show otherwise it is yep okay. uh, questions and answers and answers Where are we? just came in there at the end okay so here's a question from uh, Jamie McAwesome McPherson oh, so here's a story love it I- I've broken my leg 10 days before my A race, which was the Alpe de long course triathlon. That's bad enough, but I'm plastered um, in a moon boot for at least the next six weeks, and it's starting to drive me crazy. So a couple of questions. What can I do whilst my leg is out of action to keep my um, some sort of fitness level? I've got access to a gym and pool. And secondly, once the cast comes off, I'll bring my ring up slowly, probably starting with some aqua jogging, but what's what about my running and swimming? So I think um, to answer these two questions independently, I think um, definitely you can do some upper body work um, and, and a gym is a great place for that. And then you can just email Bevan and he'll happily give you a, an in-depth program of uh, exactly what you need to be doing. 
but no, you definitely can do some upper body stuff to just try to keep a bit of uh, bit of strength up there and just a bit of general condition. In terms of answering your question there about once the cast comes off, what to do? I really think you get it. You've got to work in quite closely with a sports doctor there and be very very careful. It complete, you know, we don't want to advise what or not to do because it really does depend um, a lot on the healing process and um, what sort of a break it was. Uh, so I don't really want to go out on a limb and say, oh, we'll just slowly build it up, start with 20 minute runs, and two weeks later you should be up to an hour. You've really got to work in with a good, um, credible sports doctor in terms of how how you can pick it up. But my general advice would probably say as soon as you can get back into swimming safely just have a, a really good swim block and, and you'll really boost your, your swim fitness obviously you'll have to be really super careful pushing off the wall um, but a good opportunity for you to boost your swimming I think two things I'd, I'd note here is you need to have a change in attitude not saying your attitude is bad but we, we exercise a lot and as a group of people that's really what we do and so we get a lot of reward and esteem and all that, that comes with it and injuries we can, we can come a little bit stupid in a way that can be detrimental to our recovery and our long term you know being an athlete and so I think that when you get an injury like this that can put you out for a period of time A we can do stupid things when we're trying to you know in the moon boot and then B we can do stupid things to try recover too quickly and so you know right now the objective should be how can I keep my body safe through this recovery period and then how can I keep as fit as I can in a way that's realistic to the condition I'm in so that you're not actually you know you've got to accept that you're going to lose fitness in the next period of time and and it'll probably be a big jump in fitness for where you are right now but if you can accept that and just focus on doing the things to make your body better then you'll recover better and you'll be back on your feet being back to what you normally are in a much safer and faster period of time when it comes to gym work i'd actually recommend you can actually get in the weights room and just do lots of like high rep uh you know low weight kind of work and that way you can actually increase your heart rate when you're actually doing your weights workout so you know get in there and do some supersets of continuous movements and that way you're getting a bit of strength but you're also getting the heart rate up as well and that way uh, because your, your legs so restricted you can kind of you know get a bit of strength for endurance but also just get the heart rate up and feel like you're getting a workout and but sure. i think the, the key point is really just to is, is the attitude of what can i do to make sure my body's going to recover safely as fast as possible. And, and as John was saying, get in, listen to your doctor because, you know, our keenness can be our, our fault at times though. Exactly. So good luck with your recovery. I had an email in from Stephen Coons, um, and he was listening to our Becoming a Coach um, section on the podcast in episode 218, and he had a couple of points. He actually had a top 15 yeah, things to do. Sense. Um, we, we mentioned a lot of these, but I'll just sort of bring up a couple of other ones um, that are specific to um, US coaches. Um, I guess and some of them are specific for all coaches. One was get a CPR, an AED certificate. I think an AED certificate is probably an accident, an emergency, yep. something or other. So that'd be, that's a good point. Um, other points that he had in there, learn to understand the USAT ranking system. So I don't know anything about that, but it's uh, for you US coaches. Um, on this point number 15, listen to podcasts to see what other people are talking about, specifically Iron Talk. Um, a couple of other ones, show professional discipline, be a leader, not a friend. Yeah, that's uh, a good one, Yeah. Yep. Uh, what else we have here? Join a local gym and local triathlon association. People must see you working. Uh, and the rest, I think we pretty much covered uh, there's point number four get certified in other areas like cycling or swimming which we also discuss I think that's a really good point is not just always getting triathlon 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 knowledge um, actually spreading your wings a little bit and, and picking up a little bit of single sport stuff and then applying it back to triathlon 
Nice, good old uh, Flip Hugo. He sent through a YouTube clip, and it's, it's quite a funny clip about these two guys basically making excuses about their races, and it's pretty gold. So we'll chuck that on. Uh, on the it is worth a watch. It's pretty funny. Yeah, it is pretty funny uh, on the website this week. And uh, that's pretty much it. Last sponsor of the show, John, Coffees of Hawaii. And not only is it now just Coffees of Hawaii, it's, just, it's Coffees and Teas of Hawaii. Hot because they of Hawaii. That's right. Hot chocolate. So they, oh, I'd love a bit of hot chocolate with a little uh, little bit of Hawaiian style in there. So we, we always talk about the coffees, um, but now if you're not a coffee drinker or if you want to try something a little bit different, they do have a whole bunch of uh, different teas up there. They've got lavender teas, lemongrass teas, I love ginger I love teas. Yeah, so it's uh, lots of different things. So you basically just go onto their homepage. You've actually got a little logo down the bottom there, and it's Tisam Molokai style teas. Um, but remember, make sure you go through imtalk.me first, and you can pick up your discount codes that I assume still works on um, on all these teas as well. So if you are getting some coffee and you just want to have try something different, or you just want some tea full stop, check it out on coffeesofhawaii.com. Well, you can also join if you go on there. We, we often talk about gifts, but you can look at tea for gifts as well, and they have the gift package where you get the tin that's beautifully presented, and then the packaged tea, which looks really good as well. And tea's good because tea's like real. If you want to sit down and you just kind of want to, I like, like the thing I like making tea is when you make it in the uh, the tea. I can't even think what it's called, like a jug. Yep. Yeah. What do you call that? Tea jug. I guess so. Yeah, where the, where the leaves actually sit in there, not like a, not just out of a tea bag. Yeah, I'm not sure. Yeah, you can, Albert, you, Albert, let us know. You can create quite a big one, and so you can just sit there for a long period of time, just kind of in a small cup, and just kind of letting it go in. And yeah, I do like my tea, John. Lemon so, I love it. Plenty of discount codes available for either recurring orders or for a special IM Talk listeners. So go through our website, get the discount code, get on there, get your tea or your coffee, and you're away laughing. So sponsors are. Coffeesofwhy.com. Get on there. Get not just your coffee, John. Get your tea. And maybe soon, Albert, get your hot chocolate. That's right. Extreme endurance. Get on there for a safe and supplement that can help you get faster. Athlinks.com. Social networking. Honestly, get your rivals and tell them how great you are. And triathlontoons.com. Honestly, get a gift and surprise someone for a wicked gift that, honestly, they'll just think is brilliant. Okay, John, well, I'm starting to sweat. So, you started to sweat. I like smell, it. It's, it's not good. So how's your run? How's your running going over there? Have you done any? Uh, well, in, in a way, I've got to be happy because I've done my running, but I, I wouldn't say it's been great running. I've been running on treadmills. I have to say, I have a newfound respect for you listeners out there who train indoors because I, I find it really mentally hard to. I, I can do the distance. So, like yesterday, I did an hour and a half on a treadmill, and it was. You know, I was proud of myself because I managed to get an hour and a half out, but it was pathetic. It was like the run, the speed was slow, and and I was just kind of plodding along, and the air conditioning at the gym was actually pretty terrible, so I was, you know, pretty scorching, but I don't know, indoor training, it's just not my thing, and you know, a lot of you guys out there, that's how how you have to train, and so just, so much respect. (laughs) <laughs> it is. It's tough, and uh, yeah, I enjoy a bit of win- a bit of uh, stuff on the treadmill. But yeah, an hour and a half. That's that's a solid run. Nice. I, I, like if I'm on a treadmill and you got sets to do, it's okay because it's yep. the challenge. Whereas if you're just yep. plotting out an hour and a half, it's oh, I find that painful. <laughs> Very good. What else has been happening, Bevan? Anything exciting? What's been happening in my life? So I'm in Taipei right now, but I'm coming home tonight. So um, that's why we're doing a show early. Um, what else has been happening? Um, not much. Went out for an awesome restaurant. 
that's one thing that's really cool about what I do is because I get to travel the world doing this kind of aerobic thing and it's pretty great but they because you're always kind of like the guest star they always take you to these beautiful restaurants and we went to this place last night uh, which was smorgasbord kind of Chinese slash Thai slash kind of everything but really like amazing smorgasbord and I, I just I've got no control John Oh, I know the feeling. Oh, and it was just great. But the problem is they had no English writing for the food, so some things were <laughs> Yeah, chicken's feet? No, no, there wasn't chicken's feet either, actually, but uh, it, was, it was pretty good. What about more of what a, you oh, what I've been doing, uh, I have been just trucking along as usual. As I said, I did a 5K race at the weekend, oh, and it's, it. fair, it's fair to say that I've got a bit of work to get back to the level that I was at for the, uh, the Christchurch Marathon. So what did so, you, so you do it in? Well, it was 16.29, which was not pretty. Um, basically, the week before the Christchurch Half Marathon, or before the marathon, I did 16, same time, 16.30, and it was just a canter. I was just cruising, just looking at my time, so it's just going through. It wasn't puffed at all. Yeah. Went home, no muscle damage at all. Um, granted, this course I did on the weekend it was, it was it was not a race. It was a relay, and it was a handicap relay, so it was a pure individual time trial because I had nobody to start with, and you're just running 5K as hard as you can. And you actually had um, three quite hard 180-degree turns where you kind of ran over a bridge. So probably cost you maybe 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 10 seconds in the whole 5K. Well, so maybe two minutes. Yeah, I think it did. But um, it was uh, – I ran pace well, ran six, uh, it was two laps, so I did, uh, what did I do? I did, um, what did I say my time was? Six, I did eight, I did eight fifteen on the first lap and eight fourteen on the second lap, so I was pleased with my pacing, ran as hard as I could, put on the best effort that I could, just a bit of work to be done to, uh, to get back up to where I need to be to put in a half-decent marathon, so what, that was what it was. Is it 10K over this weekend? Governor's Bay to Littleton's, tough oh, 10K. Okay. Mm. Yeah. But uh, outside of that, um, as I said, our kids have been keeping me awake, which means a bit of sleep deprivation. And I'm going to announce it next week, but I've got a title sponsor for my big triathlon festival that's going to be in uh, December in Christchurch. Oh, that's exciting. I'm- so John's putting on – John, you're putting a lot of work into this, isn't he? We have this thing called this Festival of Cycling, which is pretty huge in Christchurch, and John's trying to create a triathlon one, really, aren't you? It's going brilliantly. We've got we have five races. We're going to have an age group race, a novice race, a kids race, teams race, and then an elite race. And um, there's going to be prize money for the elite race. So it's all starting to come together quite nicely. And I've uh, got a total sponsor, so it's all good. And I'll announce that next week once I've got to go seal the deal for, for fuel tomorrow. Seal the deal, John. Seal the deal. Mm-hmm. Any other goss? What's happening in New Zealand, John? Did you watch the What is happening? I didn't. It was a bit late at night for the rugby. It was on because it was on in Australia, but the All Blacks are just dominating, yeah. and it's good to see. And the Warriors got beaten again, uh, so that's not so good. Other than that, uh, you'd be coming home to some nice crappy weather. It was 16 degrees and lovely yesterday, and we went to Arana Park and took the kids to see all the lions and giraffes and rhinoceroses and cheetahs, and it was wicked fun. I have to say... Um, around a park is good I told you about going on a date there if you want to go on a date around a park take a girl to a zoo team if you're a single man take a girl to the zoo you can't go wrong but anyway I'm actually going to do a side note here I went on um, our Facebook page have you been on our Facebook page? Oh, once or twice yep so I post old, things on Andrew Kurd what's his, what, what dinosaur is he? Diplodocus Diplodocus so. <laughs> Diplodocus there's quite a few good comments on the on the Facebook this week actually, but he's gone, he's gone and done one about the helmet, which will get you a little bit angry. Uh, about the helmet, was that? Oh, okay. Yep, I remember that. And he, and he put M's photo on there. Ah, so you see, I only see the I am talk. I've got to go I am talk plus others, don't yeah, I? Yeah, on Facebook to, to see what they but say. But someone on YouTube, so, so so good old Matt Eves 
on, on, on Maddie Eves on YouTube. On YouTube, a couple of years ago, it was Joe's birthday, and she was in Queenstown. And so I made her this cute little YouTube clip, you know, just between her and I, you know, a bit of love. And Matt, good old Matt, Maddie, found it on YouTube and put it on the Iron Tool page, John. Nice. If you want to see me sharing it, just a bit of a romantic time, of, you know, just a bit of love. You know, because, you know, you've got to do that, John. You've got to be a role model of love. And, uh, oh, dear. And so now if you want to check that out, go to I'm Not Looking the Flashes, and it's, it's quite intimate. Yeah. It's out there, John. So Nice. Thank you very much for putting that picture of him up there as well. That's all good. She's running around in a bikini. And uh, bike jerseys, if people ordered bike jerseys, they've been sent and they should be arriving in your hot little hands very soon. And uh, that's David Rutman was saying that basically the Vyman, uh, the river, the lake, at what race is that for? Where the lake's gone bad? Arizona. Arizona. It's getting fixed, so... Nice. Anyway, we're back in the studio next week. Back to normal. Yep, good, because this is a pretty weak ending. <laughs> I'm Russ. I'm mean, Indo. Train hard. Train smart. Kia kaha. Kia kaha. Beautiful. Okay. Sweet. Okay. Record, wait a second. Um... Not tonight, honey. I got a 20 miler in the morning.